Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Shop of the Pack. Uh, normally I'd open up with a terrible joke, but instead I'm going to pass judgment on the so-called fans who sent death threats to Green Bay wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scatman. Um, people are not only forgetting it's just a game, but it's also MVS actually got us with a couple of massive catches to take us into overtime. With that being said, joining me for this week, as always, is my co-host extraordinaire, the turkey to my stuff in, James Wagstaff. How are you doing, James? Yeah, not too bad, Gary. Um, yeah, it's been a interesting few days, obviously following the the defeat. Um, very disappointing, given the manager one of those defeats that uh, takes you a little while to to get over, just because so many points in the game look back on it and sort of think, well, if we'd have just done that slightly differently, or could have could have executed slightly better, we really should have could have come away with the W. So frustrating, but um, it's Bears week, so always a uh, match the best. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait for that. We'll talk about that in a little while, but just to have a look at the, the Colts game there. Like, so it finished 31-34 in overtime with a, a Rodrigo Blankenship, I think Blankenship or Blankenship, Blankenship uh, field goal. Um, so as far as I could tell, Green Bay dominated pretty heavily in the first half and then just like collapsed in the second half. What do you think happened? Yeah, it, it was a bit of an odd game, uh, particularly in the first half. There was sort of turnovers galore from both sides, but the Packers managed to sort of really capitalise on, on the turnovers that, that they generated, the two. Um, one fumble, one, one interception and, and score points off that, whereas the opposite was true for the Colts. That they it also turned over twice in the first half, weren't able to capitalise on And that allowed the, the Packers to, to really jump out to uh, sort of a fairly commanding 28-14 lead uh, at the break, thinking at that stage, you know, one stop, uh, the, the Colts get the ball for sort of first start of the second half and you can put any sort of points and you move to a sort of three-score lead, you're probably, you're probably home and dry. Um, obviously, the third quarter was just disastrous. <laughs> There's no two ways about it uh, from a multitude of reasons. Um, the defense point of view, they managed to, to hold the Colts to a field goal on their first drive, which you think actually, you know, not too bad. They then got the ball with, and a chance to sort of go up if they do get a, a touchdown, but they off, the offense really can't get anything going. Uh, they go three and out. They then will give the ball straight back to the Colts. They score a touchdown, sort of two points, go three and out again. Um, and you just felt the game slipping away. And, and it was really in that third quarter that, that, that it really did get start to, to get out of hand for the Packers. And then obviously another fumble uh, for, for Shepard and the special teams sort of bringing out the punt the ball back to the Colts again, which resulted in three points. So it was a game where the Packers had it um, in their hand up, up two touchdowns at half time and, and just proceeded just to with sort of mistakes throw it away. Obviously a combination of the Colts not being able to finish the Packers off late and some, some very strange holding penalties um, late in the game kept the Packers or gave them enough time to actually go down the field and the drive was just typical vintage Rodgers uh, to set up the game-tying field goal late on and take the game time, which it never should have been because the, the Colts should have been out of sight if they had been able to close the game. Um, and the fact, obviously, the, the Packers then get the win, the coin toss and, and get the ball, and then only for, for obviously MVS to, to fumble the ball and, and uh, obviously lose the game, which is, is very frustrating. So I was yeah very disheartened after the game just because it felt like we'd lost twice. We'd, we'd kind of thrown away the 14-point lead. Looked like the Colts were going to do us. We then somehow, with a Hail Mary S pass from Rogers to MVS, scraped through to get a late field goal to take it to overtime, win 
the toss, I'm thinking, God, if we can take this ball down and score now, you know, we might sneak out with a win and then only to, to fumble and lose the game for the second time. So, yeah, very frustrating. Uh, you couldn't make it off, eh? Um, so, like, looking on, on uh, sort of Packers Twitter on Monday, it's like the traditional meltdown. We need to sack the coaches. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do the other. Um, this isn't the first time we've seen, should we say, mental errors from the team. Um, I think weeks one and two against the, the Vikings and the Lions, we were not great mentally. Buccaneers, we just looked like stunned deers and headlights the whole time. Do you think there's like a mental aspect to the to the game that we're failing on somewhere? Um, potentially. I mean, up to this point, one of the, the reasons the Packers were able to jump out to a quick start this season was the fact that they, they the strength was they weren't turning the ball over. They were make their offense was was good, and and they were holding onto the ball and making sure that they weren't giving any away any extra possession. Turn over the ball four times, you're not going to win very many games. That's that's a fact. So they need to to sort of clear this up. It's back to back weeks now. Rogers is playing playing obviously fantastic, but back to back week he's thrown what we can only describe as fairly questionable interceptions. Both of them, you have to wonder what he was seeing, uh, which is very uncommon for Rogers. Um, now, other than that, he, he played a very, a very good game. You could argue that some fault has to lay at his door for, for the two straight uh, three and outs to start the second half. But on the whole, if you're going to put 300 plus yards plus three touchdowns on the best defense, statistically at least, in the NFL, some credit is due. But it, you do have to wonder, obviously, if he keeps making these sort of mental errors because it's not like sort of tremendous plays it's just he's read the play slightly wrong um so if it continues it would be, would be concerning particularly for a man who's he's not known for, for his intercept yeah i mean like you mentioned that the colts are the best defense in the the nfl so i think a lot of credit has to go to the colts generally um obviously he's been well they're 21 14 or something down at the half or something i can't remember the exact score but they were down at the half and then to come back and then to eventually win in in overtime i think it deserves a lot of credit um not really a lot of standout players making the big plays though for for Indianapolis. Just it's just really well spread out. It's like what Rogers had been doing three or four weeks ago for when Adams was out. Uh, just everyone was just getting a good good uh, handle of the ball. How do you think the the Indianapolis actually played against us to get the win? Yeah, um, I think that they they stepped up in a major way. As I say, down two touchdowns at, at half time. You could very conceivably say, you know, that this game could very quickly get out of hand. And that's sort of what I thought might, might well will happen at, this, at that time in the game. But credit where credit's due, as you say, that, that they stepped up and, and they not they got the points they needed on, on offense. Um, Rivers was, you know, typically okay. I don't think he was lights out by any stretch of the imagination, but he did what he needed to, to do. And, and the offense as a whole, you know, that they, they got the job about done. And it was on defense, really, that they, they really did step up in that second half. Obviously, I stopped giving the ball back to the offense twice in a row um, straight away after three and outs. Huge for, for a momentum standpoint. And then, obviously, the, the key play in the game, the one that ultimately decided it, was the, the fumble. Um, Blackman, the, the rookie cornerback, comes in and, and jams the ball loose. And, and you've got to say, well, it, was, it was a great play if it would have been the Packers who'd had a play like that, you'd be, be shouting from the rooftops. So, yeah, the credit has to go to, to the Colts. They, they, they came to play. I mean, from a neutral standpoint, absolute classic game. One of the best games of the season, no doubt. It, it really did have everything. And it ebbed and flowed, as I say. That obviously, at half-time, you thought it was going to be a blowout. And the Colts then come back. And then the Packers sort of snatch overtime up from the jaws of defeat. 
and yeah, it really was a, a tremendous one for neutral. It's just a shame that we had to end up on a losing side. You mentioned the the Colts rookie cornerback there, uh, Blackman. We had Harrison guesting on uh, last week, and he's he's a big fan of this kid. Um, and I think it showed in the game how well he could be. I think if it's only his first season, he's playing this well. His ceiling must be massive, right? Yeah, um, you'd have to say that that he's got a very bright future ahead of him if if his play this season um, is anything to go by. At the moment, he's in talks, sort of he was conversation at least for defensive rookie of the year. So they don't give those sorts of titles out willy-nilly. It is clearly very, very impressive and slotted into what is a very good Colts defence with some breaks in some of its parts. They have got some some stars um, in there, but when you look at the names outside of DeForest Buckner uh, and uh, Darius Leonard, you probably weren't not that fearful. Uh, Justin Houston, you know, he was very good back in Kansas City, but he's getting on a bit at the moment. So, yeah, if they can obviously inject them with some studs, obviously Rock Yassin also had the pick of Rodgers, which was a very acrobatic play, at least. So yeah, they've certainly got some, um, yeah, some very sort of young uh, and, and interesting playmakers. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so that's that shambolic game taken care of. Uh, next up, we've got divisional rivals coming off a bye, coming off a bye week. We've got the Chicago Bears. Bears have lost, I think, it's four in the bounce. But surely Matt Nagy will have his players fired up against Green Bay, right? It's a divisional game. They have to be ready for it. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bears. It's a divisional game, first and foremost. Obviously, as they always say, with, with any rivalry or game form goes out the window. Um, I hope that's not the case because the Bears have been pretty trash um, for the last few weeks. But they're always hard-fought games. It doesn't matter when these games come. Um, they always seem to be fairly close. It's, um, you know, Most of the time, it doesn't really matter. Now, from the Bears' standpoint, I mean, we don't even know at this point who's supposed to who's be playing quarterback. I don't think that matters too much just because both of quarterbacks have got clear limitations um, for, for, for both guys. I think Nick Foles is currently sort of struggling with a hip injury and Trubisky a shoulder injury, even though they, they have just come off, off a bye. So there is a possibility that it might even be the third stringer, Tyler Bray, who might get the start at, at Lambeau. Now that, that will likely become clearer towards the, the end of the week. But main obstacle um, this week is going to be that, that Bears defence. It, it is legitimate. Uh, we've mentioned it throughout this year when we've had our NFC North, what, that there's a reason why they jumped out to a 5-1 and one start and it is purely because of that defence. So, it, it, strength versus weakness, very much in the sense that their offence and, and bears the defence. So, it'll be interesting to see those two units go against each other. You think if the Packers can put up 25 plus points, you know, you, you'd You'd fancy us just because the Bears have been struggling so much on offense to generate points, but that's not going to be no mean feat against this this team. Yeah, so you mentioned like if if Green Bay put up more than twenty five points, that there's a, a pretty good chance we'll win it. So just going straight to the score predictions here, I've got twenty seven fourteen for Green Bay. Have you, are you willing to put a number on yours? Yeah, I think the Packers will will win. Ultimately speaking, just because of how limited the the Bears the has been this season. I mean, if you just go back over the course of the last few weeks, and this is what they've scored on offense so last game against the Vikings 13 week for that 17 week for that 23 week before that 10 um, so, so as, as I say that that if you can get above that 25 point threshold as I say you, you're likely I mean even going back further than that 23 20 11 
So, so it just goes to show if you can get to that that sort of ballpark, it's, it's very unlikely that this Bears team is going to have enough firepower to, to, to go above that. Uh, some so, formidable scoring power they've got, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And you got and obviously some of those as against the, the Vikings actually came from special teams and, and not from offense. So um and they've obviously had some good field position, they've had turnovers on D and they still can't put up points. So it has been pretty abysmal. Uh but I'm gonna go for for my score prediction this week. I'm gonna go Packers. Yeah, twenty thirty one seventeen. Thirty one at seventeen, that's bold. That's bold. But I like it. I like the optimism. Better than your optimism last week anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully I continue my, you know, special voodoo powers and I'm going to predict them to win this week. So hopefully they do. Well, if that's the case, put on a, uh, put on a podcast uh, lottery ticket and see if you win. And we split it 50-50 <laughs> with the winnings. Um, right, so moving on quickly to the NFC North watch. Obviously Green Bay and the Bears play next week. Green Bay can't hear 7-3. Bears 5-5 five and five coming up for bye. Vikings are 4-6 and six and the Lions are... I think they're also 4-6. and six. I'm going to run down here. Yeah, um, they are. They obviously got shut out uh, uh, against the Panthers on the weekend, which is horrifically embarrassing for the for the yeah. Lions. Uh, I've got it written down here. They scored zero points against the uh, XFL player-led Panthers. Although, that being said, PJ Walker actually had a good game. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how he gets, uh, whether or not that was an anomaly. Uh, and it, it, he's actually, you know, what everyone thinks that PJ Walker should be, which is a pretty bang average quarterback. I think, by all accounts, um, Teddy Bridgewater actually could be back for, for the Panthers this week. Uh, it's, I think it's touch and go. But it'll be interesting to see if he does get another start this season to see how, how he goes. But, yeah, I mean, the Panthers had loads of injuries. Uh, most people predicting the Lions would, would probably get a W there and, and to come out with a defeat is pretty, pretty poor. And not just get beaten, but to get shut out, pretty embarrassing. I think we need to give some credit to Matt Patricia here because, you know, when he's at Green Bay, uh, at New England, sorry, he was he was the anointed defensive genius, right? Um, but And he's finally managed to shut down an offense. It's just a shame it was his own. You know? <laughs> um, on a more serious note, Matt Stafford has been wasted with our Lions team, right? He's been there for, what, 10 plus years or so? Uh, yeah. Advance, at least. And he's, I reckon if he's been in an even 10% stronger team, he's playoff contender every time. Yeah, I mean, he, he has actually been a, a very competent quarterback. He, you could make the argument that throughout his career that he's been primarily spent a, a lot of that time in sort of the top 10 of, of all the QBs in the league. Uh, he's drafted back in 2009, so he's coming into now about his 11th NFL season. Obviously, unfortunately, all of those have been with the, the Lions for him. So it just seems it doesn't matter how good you are, the Calvin Johnsons and uh, of this world, if you end up on Detroit, you, your career is probably going to go go down the pan but it's a shame because it'd be interesting to see Staff in another in another location to see if he if he could do sort of put up the same numbers and, and get a team to the playoff yeah um, just to finish up the, the NFC North watch I think we need to touch on the Vikings um, they lost a lackluster Cowboys team that are clearly in a bit of a bit of turmoil shall we say um, Mike McCarthy's down to some sort of voodoo to, to fire up his team he's smashing watermelons in the locker room like, is, is that something he's notorious for I don't think so is it um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was actually talking about that with uh, Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. Um, and he said it was not something they did during their time in Green Bay, but he kind of wishes they had because it sounded a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard somewhere that he had to, he was glad, like, uh, Mike McCarthy was glad they took a, a charter plane rather than just the usual, like a book flight, because he had to take his own sledgehammer to the, to the game to actually be able to smash up his watermelons. Like is, is there not like a Home Depot or something anywhere near Minnesota that you couldn't just go out and buy one quickly? Huh? 
<laughs> maybe, maybe he's got a favourite. Maybe who knows? Yeah, well, probably it's like his trusty steed. <laughs> it's his bludgeon coaching tool. Um, right then. So last week, last week's game of the week, we spoke about it very briefly before we started recording this. We we went for the Seahawks Cardinals, but it was just, it, like, for me it was like an absolute nothing game. I cannot remember a single play of it, and that's after watching the highlights again to try and remind myself. Yeah, I don't think it was a, a classic by any um, stretch of the imagination. Seahawks did just enough to to, to get the job done. Uh, obviously, Kyler Murray had the ball but late, but wasn't able to to get over the line. By all accounts, he's picked up a knock. Um, in that game, it's probably the most noteworthy thing to come out of that because obviously he's been playing pretty pretty phenomenally up to this point in the season. So it will be intriguing to see how much that sort of knock hurts him because obviously that his main sort of threat or the reason why he's been so prolific this season thus far is his running ability. Um, and if he is injured, and it clearly looked like he was in that game because there was a lot of chances where you'd typically expect he would take off and run and he didn't. He only had five carries for 15 yards, which given the propensity to run that he'd had up to this point uh, this season, it, it was surprising. So certainly something to keep an eye on um, as the season goes on because obviously they're in that, that playoff mix at the moment. And if he's not able to, to sort of have that side to his game, you do wonder how far this Cardinals team can go just because that is a very, very key part of their offence. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like we, you predicted the, the Hawks, myself and Harrison, who we had on last week, both predicted this, this Cardinals, sorry, and that puts you two for two on predicting winners last week. That lottery ticket needs to happen now, you know? <laughs> uh, I'd like to so, get on to it. Big Euro millions on Friday, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right, so next week, next weekend, we've got like a full slate, obviously being Thanksgiving weekend. Um, looking through them all, the Steelers-Ravens game, just I don't know if you've seen it yet today, but the Steelers-Ravens game has been moved to Sunday. Um, so we're probably looking at the Bucks chiefs as the game of the weekend, I would imagine. Like the, the, the Buccaneers have all the pieces that, that, that really should be giving the Chiefs a scare. Um, but then the Chiefs are the Chiefs, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, the Buccaneers are a very confusing side obviously when they played the Green Bay early in the season they, they looked tremendous they were just clicking completely on, on offense and, and defense and, and you thought well this could take some stopping but they've really stumbled in, in the last few weeks and, and it seems to be a different side that comes out every week if things aren't going their way they do tend to get into a bit of trouble um, the, the Rams game once M. Brady threw two horrific picks um, I just I don't know what he was thinking on on two sort of relatively deep balls. Um, obviously, the Rams have a very very good secondary, and, and they would have baited him into one of those. But there wasn't anyone in close, which is question what was going wrong. Um, so it'd be interesting. I I, I fancy the Chiefs. Um, that game against the the Raiders was a was a really really good game. Of, of, of back and yeah, forth. I watched that. I enjoyed that actually. Yeah. Yeah, and you've got to feel sorry for Derek Carr because he he, he didn't do he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he, he probably had the best game of his career, and uh, he still comes out on the losing side to Patrick Mahomes, as pretty much everyone does it seems. Um, yeah, I can't see past the Chiefs the way they're playing. I just fancy them they, that you have to score forty um, if you want to stop them, and and I don't think the Buccaneers are consistent for, for sixty minutes enough to, to put that many points forward. So I'm going to go for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I, I pick the Chiefs as well, mate, because I mean. I think even a, a prime Tom Brady struggles against this chief, this uh, this Chiefs team, like with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and they've got, they've got Le'Veon Bell, they've got uh, Edwards Hilaire, who's coming coming this season, been really good. Um, and obviously, currently, is not 
a prime Tom Brady. I think he's starting to hit his decline. Maybe not quite as cliff edge as Drew Brees was, but he is he's, he's having more and more bad games this year than he's ever had, I think. Um, even even like allowing for the fact that he's in a, like, a new team and a new system and everything else, I think he's just he's struggling a lot more than I think most people thought he would. Yeah, uh, I think so. And then I think the confusing part is is that, that inconsistency. I say some weeks he really does it like a world beater. I mean, it was against the, the Raiders. It was a week after the Packers game where it seemed like they really hit them stride, uh, and he was throwing beautiful spirals deep. And you think, oh Christ, it's the Tom Brady of a, f- a few years ago when he was leading. New England to endless Super Bowls again. But it, in the last few weeks, it does seem that, that something's not quite there. It's not quite clicking for him once more. And yeah, it does look like he has regressed back um, somewhat. And you've got to think, I mean, with the embarrassment of riches that he's evil wise to throw to, um, if you can't make it work with, with that sort of arsenal of weapons, then yeah, you've got to look, uh, look at the quarterback probably. Do you think it's something to do with uh, Antonio Brown pitching up in his house? Because like, I believe that Antonio Brown's living in his house or like spending a lot of time with Tom Brady. So, you know, as far as I understand it, Tom Brady's like in bed by eight o'clock every night when he's not playing. You know, he's, he's super regimented. Antonio Brown's coming in, setting fire to his feet or whatever he's going to be doing, disrupting his little routine. He's got like TB12 uh, fitness regime is not happening for him to think that's maybe he's having an effect this year. Just the last couple of weeks even. Well, I mean, you can't argue with the the results since since come in that their, their form has dipped a little bit. Um, Antonio Brown has not he's not really had one of those sort of Antonio Brown's games that you would typically associate with him. Obviously, appreciate he's been out of the game now for for some time, but yeah, it, it doesn't seem doesn't seem quite as intense as it was before. Uh, I'll say that he'd probably go run to play for sort of two hundred yards this week and and all be right, but. Yeah, that that doesn't doesn't seem quite contend there, and obviously, Bruce Arians being Bruce Arians, which I have to admit I absolutely love, seems to come out every week and and just flame whoever he wants to flame. Doesn't care about anyone's emotions. If he thinks Brady's been shit, he'll tell everyone. The entire media doesn't matter. He'll tell them. It's refreshing when they do that. It's, it, it sometimes you get some that are too um, too media groomed, if you like, and they're all very nice to each other, and it's all very like you know, it's a little cup of tea and a, and a shake in a hand later on. No, this guy was shit. And he was shit because, and he was he'd be shit next week. He'd be shit last week. No, I love that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, right then. So moving on to the MVP of this week, or have I missed something? I feel like I might have missed something. Uh, I don't. No, I don't think so. I think we're doing all right, actually. Yeah. All right, bollocks then. Uh, MVP this week then. But what have you got? So for this week, I'm just trying to think who I'd have as my MVP this week. A tough one, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Taysom Hill. He took a lot of shit all week. Everyone questioned him, saying that he's you know he's not a QB. He's a tight end. He's you know he has a few snaps here and there, but he's he's not the real deal. And in the first half against the Falcons, you could probably argue that everyone was right. He, he didn't look very good. You know, he looked like a running back trying to play quarterback, and it was it just wasn't working. And then. He got hot and it, and it started to look good and he was a, a genuine threat. His legs scored two rushing touchdowns. He threw the ball well and, and hit uh, Michael Thomas, who had over 100 yards for the first time this season, uh, and actually looked a very competent quarterback. So, yeah, I'm going to say Taysom Hill, uh, just because, yeah, he had dealt with a lot of shit all week. Everyone was, was saying he was crap and he, he came out and put, put on, obviously got the W. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um... I've gone for Rodrigo Blankenship, the Colts kicker. As much as it pains me 
to to appreciate someone who's who's literally kicked the get the game against us. Um, it takes a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of nuts to come out and like like get the the kick in the clutch, and like, doubly so if you're a weedy little specky twat like he is. So you know, I think there's a lot of a uh, lot of respect from there. Um, right then, you're Mister Irrelevant. Who are we looking at? Who yeah, I'm gonna say this week. I'm gonna say Darius Shepherd uh, for the Packers. Uh, seems like I've, I think they pick a Packers special teamer every single week. Well, that, probably because our special teams is fucking abysmal. Um, but he fumbled the punt. The punts that he did, uh, he fumbled out one, fumbled one punt, and the punt he did bring out never seems to make it even 25 yards. Might as well just take a fucking knee in the end zone every time. We'd get a better field position. Yeah, not very very good. I hope he never returns a punt for us again. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's very, very fair enough. Very agreeable as well. Um, I've gone, just to circle back to how I started this podcast, I've gone back to anyone who thinks that a game of football is worth sending death threats. I think anyone who does that is fucking cretinous and should probably just hand in this their fandom for sport in general, not just this sport, not just this, not just this Green Bay team, just anyone who would even bother doing that shit. I think it's pretty fucking reprehensible myself. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's just embarrassing really, isn't it? It really is. It's fucking disgusting. Um, right, just to kind of circle back to your Taysom Hill thing, I saw a thing where someone had said that he'd basically been nervous the whole week. He was like literally physically shaking up to kickoff. So uh, do you think that's why he wasn't hot until the second half? Because he's never really been expected to be the starter, even though they are playing him 12 million pounds a year. And they have uh, James Winston on the bench. Yeah, I mean, no doubt your first NFL starter quarterback, you're going to be pretty nervous. I mean, I, I imagine um, he probably didn't expect that it would come this late in his uh, life if it, when he was dreaming of this, when he was playing was he at 30, college. 31, something like that? He is presently a tender age of 30, yes. Yeah, so Jeez, probably a later a later debut than he'd uh, initially imagined. But no, fair, fair enough. As I say, everyone's going to have nerves. And yeah, he got a lot of shit from, from all angles prior to the game. I don't know if you saw... Sean um, Payton retweeted Roddy White's tweet, which was was absolutely tremendous. So Roddy White puts out a tweet saying, "Don't know what Sean Payton's thinking, putting Taysom Hill in. It's embarrassing. We're going to actually smash him up." Obviously, Roddy White of Falcons fame. He was very a good receiver for a very long time. Um, after the game, Sean Payton, being as petty as I'd love to see, goes on and, and retweets it after Taysom Hill absolutely sort of carves up the Falcons. So yeah, no, I like I like that. Yeah, no, I, was, I was big into that. But um, why? Like, so, James Winston was obviously brought in after he was released by the Bucks last year. And he's obviously got four years, four years or three years as the starting QB. So, he's got a lot of experience under his belt. He's had eye surgery in the summer, in the offseason to, to fix his vision. So, hopefully, that should reduce it down to maybe 28, 29 interceptions instead of 30. Um, why do you think he wasn't trusted with the start over Taysom Hill? Um, I mean, the inceptions are no doubt going to play a role. Um, if you look at the offense that they run down in New Orleans, it, it is very much sort of dink and dunk. James Winston has always been an area out, throw it deep, triple coverage, whatever. I'm back by guys to make a play type quarterback, which obviously leads to a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, but also a lot of interceptions as we saw last season. It also uh, opens up other questions as to why they drafted him if that's not how they, their offense works. Well, not drafted him, sorry, why they, why they signed him? Um, I think it was just really good value. Um, ultimately speaking, he's on a, a million dollars, which for even for a third string QB is, is pretty, pretty cheap um, and, and worthwhile having round because if obviously Taysom Hill was to go down now while Drew Brees is still out, they've still got a very competent backup 
so, so I think the money wise, it still made sense, even if they didn't plan to, to, to play him. Obviously, if Taysom Hill had completely flamed out against the Falcons, again, it gives you another sort of competent-ish quarterback that you can stick into to the lineup. So I think for the, from a money standpoint, it made sense, which is why they, they brought him in. I mean, Sean Payton had always made comments here. I mean, he's compared Taysom Hill to Steve Young on, on a numerous occasions. I don't think I'd go that far after his debut. But um, <laughs> he's certainly leaned that he's very, very hot on Taysom Hill and the contract that they, they pay Taysom Hill clearly shows that as well. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if Taysom Hill does have a, a struggle in, in one of the next couple of games, which he certainly could, I say. He's not got exactly a lot of experience. So it'd be interesting to see if they, if they don't, if they, they can flop uh, in the coming weeks. So, so do you think the Saints will stick with Taysom Hill for the next couple of weeks then? Or do you think they'll maybe try and ease James Winston in there a little bit? Because there, there's going to be a transition from Breeze, surely, if, if not this year, because he's got, what, like 17 collapsed lungs and 500 broken ribs or something now. So he's, and he's, he's, was he not like the oldest man ever to play football? Like he was the first one to throw a pass and then they built the game around him kind of thing. He's, he's old as fuck, so surely he has to be looking at retirement because he's, is he not like a massive, massive cap hit for them as well? Yeah, I think that I think realistically, this is this is Breeze's last season. I think that, that that's been made semi-public throughout the year that apparently he's got a job in the the broadcasting booth as soon as he wants it. And by all accounts, it's very likely that next season he'll be sort of commentating on games as opposed to, to playing in them. So I think there's a, this is his last dance, so to speak. Um, and obviously, he's on a pretty good team, and they're looking like they, they could well make a run. Defense is obviously legit. Um, these ribs, it's very similar to obviously last season. He, he was injured and, and he was out for five weeks. And they brought Teddy Bridgewater in. And it's obviously about sort of treading water for, for this, this Saints team. But also, it does give them an opportunity to, to see these guys. Now, they've got a, a fairly easy schedule, you would say, over the course of the next three weeks. Uh, they've got their sort of playing at the Broncos, then they're at the Falcons, and then they're at the Eagles. So three road games, but uh, all three very winnable, um, you'd have to say, particularly on, on the strength of those teams against the collective. It will be interesting to see if they if they both get playing time and whether it's really sort of truly a valuable spot before next season, when I say it is likely. It'll be interesting as well to see, following that Eagles game, they've got the Chiefs, um, which is a huge matchup. It'll be really, really important playoff seeding in both the NFC and the AFC so that'll be pretty huge and that's obviously week 15 but it'd be interesting to see if Breeze is, is able to pick up uh, Just touching on the, the Eagles there, the, we spoke about it pretty much every week but the NFC East is fucking toilet um, so who I, th- I think all teams are on three wins but the Eagles are on top because they drew the Bengals um, how who wins that division? I mean, it, it, I flip-flop almost every week, but that's because one win, you think, Christ, uh, maybe hit their win. And the Cowboys obviously managed to, to get the win against the Vikings. Um, they looked quite quite competent uh, for, for the first time, I think you could arguably say, this season in the game. that The defence, you know, they played well, even though the Vikings, you know, they do have a plethora of offensive weapons, um, both Phelan, Jefferson, and then obviously Cook. Um, so that they do have a lot of... They played pretty reasonably well compared to where they were in the early in the season when they were truly atrocious. Uh, but on offense, I think that's where they took the, mo- the most strides. Obviously, Dalton has been a 
in this league for the Bengals for going to Dallas. Uh, and he did look every bit a veteran quarterback against um, Vikings. So with him at the helm, um, I think they might well make a run. But I don't be surprised if I was wrong and they, they carry on being trash again and then someone else wins a few games and wins the division. I have, a, I have a strange feeling that it's been, I don't want to say fixed, but it's been organised, if you like, orchestrated for Alex Smith to get like a redemption run at the playoffs. Is it there's been too much going on at Washington and to, uh, to get him in that position where he could do it? Like the, the, the division's trash. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Allen had an injury. The, who's their, their other QB that got dropped down from starter to third, third stringer. You know what I mean? He's, uh, there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it seems like it's been orchestrated that he's a. Uh, He's going to make like a deep run in the playoffs, even though it probably won't happen. It'd be interesting to see if it, if it did. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he already seems pretty much nailed on for comeback player of the year, given what he, he came back from, which, you know, fair enough in the circumstances. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm actually kind of weird to say I'm somewhat looking forward to the Cowboys-Washington game on Thanksgiving uh, on Thursday, tomorrow, in fact, uh, just because, you know, both teams are pretty trash, but it is quite important in terms of, of who's going to make the playoffs. So it'll be intriguing to see who, who comes out with a W there because they will actually jump to the top of uh, with four wins. You know, never know. That might win the division. <laughs> <laughs> they might do. If they, if they keep lo- if they just draw the rest of the, the divisional games, they'll be laughing. Yeah, just tie the rest. And... Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I going to say there? Right, Joe Burrow had a horrific injury over the weekend. Did you see much of that? His leg was basically hanging off. I did. I saw far too much of it. Um, I probably saw a bit of my uh, my tea as well after after seeing that injury. Yeah, it was I'm not pretty... going to lie to you, James. It was a really challenging whack watching that, you know? <laughs> yeah, as well. It was, yeah, it was truly vile watching that and you feel for him. I mean, we've been saying it all, all season, as, as, as have numerous other sort of commentators, that he's been getting absolutely pummeled behind that. I mean, you can call it the line. Um, I would say it's more of an open invitation to, to hit him than anything else. But... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's been coming. Uh, you never want to see that. He's, he's got all the talent in the world. Um, he's, he's really flashed at times this season. And you think what a sort of tremendous ability that he has. And, and it, yeah, you never want to see someone get hurt, not as, particularly not as badly as, as he got hurt. And you're just hoping for a speedy recovery and doesn't lose sort of anything, ultimately speaking. So that, that kind of has to put Justin Herbert in as the front runner for offensive rookie of the year, surely. Because Tua got pulled out his game at the weekend there, and uh, I mean, yeah, he's not—he's not winning a lot of games, but he is playing incredibly well. I think he's an absolute shoe in now that Burrow's injured. I think those two were fairly close. I think Herbert was probably slightly ahead, or at least in my my books, he was. Um, but it was pretty close, and probably could have gone either way. Yeah, take out if you take out um, if you take out Burrow, then I think that it's yeah, it's got to go to Herbert unless he gets hurt as well. I hope he doesn't. Well, there's always that risk that he might actually go through puberty in the middle of the season and actually shoot up another three feet or something, you know? He always could. I mean, hopefully he doesn't have to get another awful haircut from his strength and conditioning coach. He looks like I don't a what crush, that... he? Like, he's awful. He's awful. <laughs> How much money has this kid got? Like, go get yourself really a fucking haircut. <laughs> <laughs> don't go ask the strength and conditioning coach to get your haircut. That's a stupid idea. <laughs> he's in LA. There's, pe- there's people all over the shop that will literally pay him to guy his hair for him. Yeah, unbelievable. You could get a sponsorship yeah. from Clearasil or someone at the same time and pay for it that way. Yeah, I know. And I, I really liked his haircut before as well. I think it, you know, it added character for us now. You know, you're gonna get it organised for yourself, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna get those nice wavy sort of 
slightly greasy locks, although I've definitely got the greasy locks look. So I just need just need to grow the hair out now. Right, I'll, I'll put right. So for the for the first episode of next season, you grow the Justin Herbert locks. I'll get the Steve Belichick mullet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right then, any any other business changes that we talk about? Obviously, we have got a full slate of games this weekend. Is there any that you think people should be watching? I mean, there's only about four people that listen to this, but anything that they should be watching? Um, in terms of sort of games of, of the week, so to speak. I mean, the, it's a shame that the Steelers Ravens game has been moved. Uh, obviously, Ravens have got. Uh, COVID, so understandably. Seven why. players or something, isn't it? It's like it's got a full set of dwarves missing. Uh, yeah, um, so, so understandable why they've moved it, but it is a shame because I'd like to see those teams both at full complement go at each other. The first game early in the season was very good. Steelers somehow won, even though the Ravens were by far the better side. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when they meet again. Obviously, the Ravens since then have been going through a bit of a funk. Obviously, lost back-to-back games now. Uh, and they really need it because they could, in a pretty loaded AFC, where there's a lot of teams around that sort of seven win mark already, they could find themselves out on the outside looking in from the playoff picture, which for a team that won sort of 12 games, uh, 14 games last season, it, it, you would really be uh, hard-pressed to see anyone sort of put that at the start of the season. I put them in the AFC Championship. So they really, they've got to have it. Um, so, so that, I'd say, is probably the game of the weekend, barring too many COVID uh, issues on, on Sunday. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, just just loosely on the that particular division's playoff chances, obviously, I think the Browns are on seven and three as well, are they not? So they that, are that, indeed, yeah. That's a very interesting permutation because the Browns have been absolute dog shit since I can ever remember. Steelers are clearly winning that division unless like the whole team drives off a cliff or something like that. Um, but I can't see... Can't see them losing the game from between now and the end of the end of the year, unless it's maybe the Ravens game of the weekend. But the Browns have got like a reasonable run in, to be honest. I think it's it's fairly on a par with the the Ravens game. There's a lot of winnable games for them. I think there's an outside chance they could actually flip the Ravens. Yeah, I think that at the moment you'd have to say that they're looking likely. I mean, you can see a very very easy way to to ten wins. They've got the Jaguars this week, which you know the Jaguars have got one win this season. You'd think yeah, that the, the Browns. They did, but they have only got one win. Obviously, they, 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 you'd expect the Browns at this stage, which they have been doing thus far this season, to take care of business in that game. They then uh, have two relatively tough games, one against the Titans and then followed by the Ravens. But after that, they've got Giants and Jets, you know. So that's, you'd think, 10 wins. and You'd think that's got to be a, a, enough to get them into, into the dance. Imagine, imagine being the Browns and getting like 10 wins for the first time in fucking 300 years and still not getting the playoffs but like some dog shit team from the NFC East gets like four wins in a draw and that knocks them <laughs> into the and knocks them into the playoffs and then probably get to the championship game just out of spite by that point you know um, <laughs> right James any other business or should we call it a day no um, yeah obviously just want to sort of sign off by saying as we all know the Bears still suck and yeah, I will repeat that this time next week after we have another resounding victory against those Bears um I'm looking forward to to the game, so hopefully we can get back on a winning winning track. Um, although I was bitterly disappointed, as discussed earlier in the, the podcast, losing in the manner in the fashion that the Packers did in this game gives me a lot more encouragement moving forward um, than the loss against the Bucks earlier in the season, where you know they, they they didn't seem to put up much fight in this game. You know, they obviously were in a good position to win, and they came back and they they really gave it a go late. So. 
I'm encouraged by that, but I, I really hope obviously we can get back on on track this week and earn as as. Yeah, well, well, let's hope we do get back on the back on the winning routine because you know, let's be honest, the Bears fucking suck, and I'd really rather not lose to the fucking Bears. Um, all right, on that note, then uh, we'll sign off by saying that you can follow us on Twitter as always at Shuffleback. You can email the pod with any old shit at shufflepackpod at gmail dot com. Um, I've been one of your hosts, Gary. With me, as always, has been the co-host James. Um, right, James, go back, go. Go back, go.